0: Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to spend our time this morning, so turn with me, Ephesians chapter chapter 2, thumb there on your iPhone, however you want to put your eyes on a Bible. We're going to moonwalk back a little bit uh, after looking at Ephesians chapter 4. We had Rocky Anthony uh, do a fantastic job in talking about community. And if you hadn't had a chance to go on the website and listen to that, if you missed it, we had a guest speaker, uh, Rocky Anthony, very gifted uh, man and pastor. Would love for you to go back and check that out. Ephesians chapter two, eleven through 22 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. We are talking about the church. Hear now the words of the Lord through Paul. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ." And He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father." Amen. So, back in the day, when a guy liked a girl, he actually had to approach her. Novel thought. When a guy liked a girl, he actually had to approach her, he had to have a conversation with her, and he had to get the digits, he had to get her number. Things are different now. See, back in the day when you had to approach somebody and you had to, you know, get out that little black book if you had one or a little sliver of paper and you had to keep a pen on you, you had to approach somebody and actually get a number. Things... Are different nowadays. I remember, uh, being on the phone late at night. This was in the era of landlines. Some of y'all don't remember landlines. Uh, you know, you, you had the landline with the extremely long cord, right? Uh, and, and you're just laid up in the bed, just feet on the wall, caking. Just caking all night long. But the interesting thing about having these landlines and caking all night long is that there was other phones in the house. And anybody at any time could just pick up the phone and they are in your conversation. So, you know, it, it happened to me all the time. It, it's my mama. She She's grabbing the phone. Who, who is on my phone? You know what I'm saying? Like... I, I'm kicking right now. She picks up the phone. Who is on? And it's her phone. So who's on my phone? Get off my phone. You know, I, I would go silent because I didn't want her to know it was, it was me. Uh, she would kick me off of the phone. But you actually had to call somebody. You actually had to get a phone number. See, this was the error of the pickup line. The pickup line. I, I, I want to give you a couple... Pickup up lines. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you look a lot like my next girlfriend. The era of the pickup line. Uh, if a fat man puts you in a bag at night, don't worry. I told Santa I wanted you for Christmas. The pickup line. Are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. The error of the pickup line. If you were a burger at McDonald's, you'd be the McGorgeous. <laughs> Look, now some of y'all are going to try to use this. you got to pay me for this. You, uh, see, nowadays there are different ways of doing things. Nowadays, there's Facebook, there is Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's Twitter, and you can send a message through all of these. Nowadays, things are different. It's a a new day. There's eHarmony and Christian Mingle. Nowadays... Things are different. Before you actually had to go and you had to get the number. You had to get out that sliver of paper. But now things are different. There's, there's a new day. And, and these, these dating networks are, man, they, they have risen to the top of the playing field. There's something called online dating now, which, which I had never heard of that before. And it's become very, very prominent. It's a new day. And think about this. When we come to our text this morning, Paul put points us to a new way. Paul points us to, get this, a new day. Paul points us to a new era, something that we have never seen before. Paul reveals to us a new way for the church. A new way of of approaching the church, a new way of doing things, a kind of way that is paradigm shifting for the church. He gives us a a, a new way. We'll see three main ideas this morning. We'll see that this new way is fueled by good news. We'll see that the essence of this new way is unity. And lastly, we'll see that the benefits of the new way. We'll see some of those. But before we go to work, let's pray together. Father, thank You for sweet worship together. Thank You for corporate prayer together. Father, thank You that where Your people gather, You are present with us. Thank You for that, God. Father, thank You that we can be from different backgrounds and different sides of the tracks, but yet we can come together under the umbrella of the gospel of Jesus Christ and worship You for who You are and for all that you've done. Thank you, Father. Lord, I, I just thank you this morning for what a privilege it is that we have to worship you out in the open. Lord, we don't have to look over our shoulders and, uh, to worship you this morning. We, we thank you for the freedom that there is in worship. Father, would you be present with us? Would you rest upon us? We need to encounter you this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to us, that, that you would open our eyes and open our ears, that you would do and say all that you would desire to do and say. And I pray, Father, that we would hear, that we would grab hold of your truth, and that we would live it out and that we would give it away to others. Father, move me aside. I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus and Paul understands what's happening in Ephesus. He understands that the church is largely Gentile, which means non-Jewish. And Paul understands that Ephesus has a booming economy and it's with people. He gets the reality that Ephesus has this enormous stadium that seats more people in it than the FedEx Forum. He understands that people are coming to Ephesus in droves to see the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. It's almost like our Bill Street here. People from all over the place come and they want to see and they want to walk the road there on Bill Street. That's like the temple of Diana. People are coming from all over the place to see this thing. Paul also understands that Ephesus is a place filled with pagan worship. Paul understands that this place is filled with folks who are worshiping uh, gods that are not the true God. And I love this, Paul goes into Ephesus, he begins to preach the gospel, he's having spiritual conversations, intellectual roundtable conversations about theology, and get this, people actually come to saving faith in Jesus. People come to saving faith in Jesus and we saw in Acts chapter 19 a couple weeks ago that businesses are getting upset. Business owners, they're not selling as many pagan gods as they were because of the message and the ministry of Paul. And I would tell you this morning that that's the job of the church. The job of the church is to go into dark places and to so share the good news of Jesus Christ in hopes that our city will change for the better. So I I, I would dare say to you that because of the church of Memphis, there should be some check cashing places closing down. I would dare say to you this morning that because of the church in Memphis, there should be some liquor stores closing down. There should be some corner stores, and I know they exist because I've been in them, right here in Memphis that sell crack pipes. They should be shutting down because of the church in Memphis. Paul goes into this dark place, and he is boldly, fiercely sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Get this, he is not just doing acts of justice. Paul is not just living out his faith before him, he actually opens his mouth. And he shares good news. People come to saving faith, and that city begins to change. That's the job description of the church of Jesus Christ. We're to be salt and light. And things ought to change because we are here in our city. I love it. Uh, in the first section of chapter 2, in the first couple of verses of chapter 2, Paul essentially tells the church of Ephesus, he says to them, Remember. Remember. Remember, Paul says, you were uncircumcised, you were separated from Christ, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers to the covenants of promise, and you had no hope. Paul says, remember where you came from. Remember What you used to be. Paul understands that if they forget where they came from, if they forget what they used to be, it will deteriorate their worship of God and all that He's done. Paul tells them to remember. Paul understands that the church ought to always remember how God has raised them up from the dead. How God has rescued them and saved them. Paul knows how easy it is for the church to forget. And if you think about what non-Christians believe of church folks, it tells us that we so easily forget where we came from. Paul says "You, you were separated. You, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. He reminds them where they used to be. And we need to be reminded this morning. Because the moment we forget, it's the same moment. In that same moment that we forget where we used to be. It's in that same moment that we forget to extend compassion and grace that has been lavished upon us. Paul says, don't you ever forget that you are a stranger, that you are far off, that you are alienated. See, Paul wants them to remember. We've got to see that a new way, get this, is fueled by good news. Look at verse 13 with me. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you have been brought near By the blood of Christ. I love that. Just got to the privilege of spending this week just thinking about that verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you have been brought close by the sacrifice of somebody else. And the reason I love this is because it tells us that we did not bring ourselves close. We didn't have that strength in and of ourselves. It says we were essentially carried because we were far off by the sacrifice of Jesus. He carried us that we may come close to Him again. He brought us near. And what Paul is pointing us to is the good news of Jesus That none of us could save ourselves. That we needed one who was greater than us to stand in our place, to stand up for us, to take the weight of our guilt and our sin on Himself. We needed somebody to do that. That's good news for us. Because Jesus, He took that weight for us. He took it upon Himself that we would have the opportunity to come close Before Paul goes any further, get this, he talks about the gospel. The good news of Jesus is one of the first things that Paul points us to. Though we were alienated, though we were strangers, though we were far off, we were not too far off for the sacrifice of Jesus to reach us. He points us to the good news of Jesus. Uh, It's so crazy, um... A guy that I went to college with, uh, I majored in criminal justice. That was one of my majors at, at, in college. And uh, uh, he was in the same major. We had a lot of classes together. Uh, he, were, he was recently assigned uh, to detail in Delaware. And if you know anything about what happened in Delaware, um, Joe Biden was literally mourning the death of his son in Delaware. My friend was on the the federal detail protecting the vice president of the United States. It's so crazy because here his entire job description is not to shy away from the trouble, but to move toward the trouble if anything were to go down. His whole job is to be willing to sacrifice himself on behalf of the vice president. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me this morning? He's moving himself in the way of trouble. He's willing to take the bullet for the vice president of the United States. And he does it, get this, with pleasure. That's what the sacrifice of Jesus is for for you and I. He moves into position When trouble happens, the weight of our sin was too much for us to handle. And Jesus moves into position and by His blood, though we were far off, He brings us near. He brings us close to Him. He calls us to Himself by His own sacrifice. And we ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah because we have an opportunity to be in right fellowship with the Father because of this sacrifice. Without this sacrifice, we are an enemy of God. We're His worst enemy without this sacrifice. And yet Paul says, you've been brought near. You've been picked up, and you've been carried near. You didn't do it on your own. He says, you've been Brought near, there was a sacrifice for you. But secondly, we've got to see that good news fuels unity. I love this. Look at verse 14. Paul says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Then in verse 16, and might, get this, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Even in verse 18, it's over and over. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Do you see what the sacrifice of Jesus does? It causes this beautiful new body. This right relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. And we know the history of the Jews and the Gentiles. They they could not stand one another. They were always in beef with one another. Uh, Yet Paul instructs them that their relationship has been changed forever. I love what Paul does. He begins by saying, you are separated. You were aliens. You were strangers. Then he tra- transitions in this passage. He transitions in this passage to include himself. At first he was pointing at the Gentiles. He was saying, you are strangers. You are alienated. You, you are far off. And then a little, a bit down a few verses, he transitions. He says, we both are one. We, we, we've we been brought near together. He places himself in the picture. I love this because here is Paul. He is overseeing tons of churches. He has raised up leaders like Timothy who will pastor this pagan place in Ephesus. And yet Paul does not exempt himself as a leader. Paul says... This thing, this real reconciliation that happens, this reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, as a leader, I'm first. I'm a part of it. And I dare say to you this morning, I said this to myself this week, if reconciliation, if right relationships will happen at downtown church, it's going to take me first. It's going to take Richard first. It's going to take our elders to live this out. Paul does not exempt himself. He says, I'm a leader. And I take hold of this. I want to be a part of this. I'm including myself. Paul takes the weight upon himself. And as a pastor, as a leader, I got to say, Chris, you... you You can't challenge your people to be living in relationships with people different than them if you aren't doing it yourself. Live it. Breathe it. Allow your family to live it and to breathe it. That's what Paul is pointing out here. Paul understands all the Old Testament pictures. He understands the Old Testament pictures of the temple being divided. He understands that the, the, the Gentiles only had a certain portion of the temple. And if they tried to go beyond that wall of hostility, that they would be killed. Paul clearly got this. But what he is instructing of the Gentiles is that they lay down their comforts. That they be willing to lay down some of their rights. They're from different places. They worship differently. They have different kinds of diets. And yet Paul still instructs them to worship together. To do life together. To be in relationship with one another. This is huge. This changes the paradigm. This is something completely fresh and completely new. Something the world has never seen before. In the eyes of the Gentiles that Paul is talking to. And yet he still challenges them to worship together. Walk together. Eat together. Fellowship with one another. Paul understands when he says to the church to become one. He knew it was a big deal. He knew they didn't sing the the same songs naturally. He knew they weren't from the same place naturally. And yet, He still challenges them. Paul says to the Gentiles, you also have access to salvation through Jesus. Now worship together. Do life together. Walk in unity together. Become, get this, one body. Become one body. See, what Paul is asking of the Gentiles isn't easy and it's not comfortable. He knows that. He's challenging them to get out of their norm and to get out of their comfort zone. To live with one another. Because they not only have been reconciled to God here through the sacrifice of Jesus, but they have been reconciled to one another. And I imagine that both groups. They bring their presuppositions. I imagine that both groups bring their stereotypes. I imagine that both groups. They they bring their stances. In, and they have to work them out. And you know that's going to be messy. But yet Paul still charges them. He challenges them. To move forward in doing life With one another, and this takes a vulnerable people. That's what Paul challenges them with. See, Paul is not asking the Jews and the Gentiles to give up their uniqueness, he's instructing them to embrace differences. He's not asking them not to be who they are. And we know this because if we look in the picture that John saw in Revelation, he saw a picture of color, every tongue, every nation. Paul is not asking them to give up their uniqueness. And Jesus is not either. He's asking them to be able to embrace differences and to step out of their comfort zone. Get this. He's challenging the church. Paul does not go to the business people of the day that are outside of the church. He doesn't go to the entertainment people of the day who are outside of the church. He goes to the church, and I think Paul understands if the church can get this, we can change our city. Paul understands that if If Jews and Gentiles in the church can fellowship with one another and live together with one another and do life and worship together, our city will begin to change. Paul went to the church because the church is God's best method of getting things done. It's his first line of defense. We are to be salt and light. We are to go into cities and preserve. And Paul goes to God's front line. And he challenges them to live, to be, to embrace one another. Paul is showing them a new way. It's like Max.com and eHarmony. A completely new way of doing things. See, even in light of history, the Jews and the Gentiles had, Paul instructed them to go, to be. And we've got some some dark history ourselves here in Memphis, and I think Paul would say to us this morning, if the Church of Jesus Christ can get this, if people from different sides of the tracks could could worship together with one another and who could step out of their comfort zones and live life together with their families and with their children and to be in relationship with people who vote different than they do and to not just settle with sitting next to somebody on Sunday morning, but to change their lifestyle. I think that's what Paul would tell the church. That's how our city will, will be changed. And we do this as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one who has reconciled us to himself, though we did not deserve it, and has reconciled us to one another. He has dismantled the hostility, and now there can be peace between us because of Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. But yet he has called us together with one another. Uh, I think Michael Jackson did this better than anybody else. I mean, he lived this way. Sometimes he was white and sometimes he... Well, never mind. Um, I think Michael Jackson, he did this. If, if if you know anything about the history of Michael Jackson, when Michael Jackson would go to a place and perform, there's all kinds of people there. And there's all kinds of people weeping and they are in awe because of his ability, his natural ability there's diverse group of people from all over the world who would just want to come and sit in His presence. He he drew a, a diverse crowd. But what Paul is talking about is not something that can be grown or or recruited at the FedEx Forum or at a Michael Jackson concert. He's talking about actual community and fellowship, which is different than a diverse crowd. He's saying... Get messy. Do life with one another. At a concert you can high five one another and you can snot and cry together and then you go home and you shut the door. But what Paul is talking about is something that is messy. It causes friction because you have different philosophies than one another. Because we, we vote differently than one another. We're from different places. We, we, we make money differently than one another. We're from different family structures and yet Paul says to the Jews and the Gentiles who are as different as can be have at it. And I think Paul would say to the church of Jesus to downtown church right here in Memphis, Tennessee this morning have at it. As messy as it would be And lastly, we got to see the benefits of this new way. Look at verse 19. Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look at verse 22. In Him, Jesus, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, Paul says, you are no longer strangers, but your fellow members of God's house. That's a benefit. And he says, and because of this real reconciliation, because you are... Are not only reconciled to God, but you have been reconciled to one another. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. God wants to live where the Jews and the Gentiles come together. You are being built together and, and building something takes hard work. And yet God wants to rest there. God wants to rest at the place where the Jews and the Gentiles step out of their comforts and do life together. He wants to live there. He wants to take residence there and that's a benefit for the church of Jesus Christ who embrace this. I love it because what God is asking of us is obedience. He's asking us to be Obedient, and this is not something that we just make up. Paul says, I'm calling you to do life with one another, to be in relationship with one another, to struggle and to strive with one another that God may live there. That the Holy One who is perfect in every way may rest upon you by His Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? That God May find a home here with us, and that we may be made to be a new body, this different kind of body will be a place where God dwells. Um, home is a special place. I love places that are home because you know you always know when you're at home. Because when you when you first walk into the place, you you just feel comfortable, and you just have no problem with going to the refrigerator at any time. You you feel that home. Uh, it's so crazy. Um, at, at, at my last church, you know, I I, I don't go there very often, but uh, I stop through their office just to say hello to people that may still be there. And the first place I go is to the refrigerator in the church office, cause it's home. You know, I just walk in the refrigerator. I'm getting fruit snacks. I'm just, even before I say hello to anybody, because it's home. And when I go to my mama's house, I'm like, hey, hey, you know, how's everybody doing? And I go to the refrigerator. Because that's what you do at home. Anybody else's house, you know, the old saying, oh, make yourself at home. But by the third plate, they're taking that back. You know what I'm saying? Like they're kind of giving you the side eye and things get weird when you really make yourself at home. Uh, But at home is a place where you can put your feet up, you can rest, and you can enjoy it. God says, home is a place where the Jews and the Gentiles come together. And it ought to be a place where you can put your feet up. A place where you can get comfortable. A place where you can go straight to the refrigerator. Where you can step out of your comfort zone. A place where God will dwell. It's home. And it's a new home. A home that the world hasn't ever seen before. It's a new kind of home. It's a new kind of way that Jesus is calling you and I to. It's difficult because there are times that we like music how we like it. There are times where we like sermons how we are used to them. It's hard. It can be grueling but yet so beautiful. And it's my longing and my desire that God will create a new way here at our church that People will long to be in relationships and, and it wouldn't be something that is just fabricated. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be surface, but that we would desire to get in one another's lives because get this, that's the church. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church that he has called us to this morning. All because there was a sacrifice and Jesus was obedient to, to death on a cross. He stood in our place for our sin. He said yes to death. And what He is asking of you and I is to be uncomfortable and to die to yourself. To say yes to the friction. To say yes to the, to the odd and the awkward conversations. And ten years down the road, May God create a new community here where we create a new normal and things aren't so awkward and we can just have real conversations and we create a new way of worship together that God may live here and that it may glorify Him for His fame, for His name, for His renown. Let's pray together. Father, thank You. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you that you have said yes to death and that you have given us the church an opportunity to be in fellowship with your father. Thank you, God. But God, you've not only done that, you have brought us together so much so that you are reconciling us. You're Pulling us into right relationship with one another. Lord, may we say yes to it this morning. May we say yes to it this morning, God. Lord, may we say yes. In Jesus' name. Amen.